Welcome back to episode number 70 of the MP Dude. This is Jeff, the MP Dude, giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's all of our voices, guys, so keep those comments and questions coming to me. I really do appreciate it. We're up to like 860 likes on the Facebook, so it's slowly ticking up. It's getting there. 140 left until I get to that 1,000 mark. And then I don't know what we're going to do after that. We'll just keep going, I guess. Um, what do we want to do today? Housekeeping. What other housekeeping issues? Oh, I got a comment. This is a good comment, right? Um, it was it was actually a Facebook thread, so let's do that first. The Facebook thread that came through on uh, an employment law issue, and I thought it was a great one. It was a great hypothetical, and it was a great exercise, and I see a lot of really bad advice, and I see some good advice, and I see a lot of people that are in business saying, well, I got dinged for that, or I got I had to deal with this, or I had to deal with that, and... and um, so it's a big fat depends. And here's the question. This person was hired, no contract, hired as an employee at will. I'm assuming they're in an at will state because it doesn't really matter, but um, most of them are at will. So you have an employee relationship. If you aren't familiar with employee versus contract, employee versus contractor, go back and listen to that show. I think it was episode 13. I, I went and looked it up the other day, and I think it's episode 13. It's in that first 15. And that relationship there dictates what you can and can't do depending on um, whether you are an employee or not an employee. Now, if you are an employee, then you fall into two different levels, whether you're an exempt employee or a non-exempt employee. And this hypothetical question says, you're hired by a practice. A physician hires you as, your, as their NP. And they say, we're going to hire you as a salaried employee for anything over 80 hours in a two-week period. Um, you won't get overtime <clears throat> overtime because you're a salaried employee. The old exempt status, that, that theory of exempt versus non-exempt. You're exempt from the wage and hour in FM, uh, FLSA, Fair Labor Standards Act. And you, and you work your 80 hours, you get paid for 80 hours, you go home, everything's hunky-dory. But if you work 100 hours, you get paid your 80 hours, you go home and you, you know, do what you have to do because you're a professional and that's the way it works. But then on the other side of the, th of the, the situation, they say, we want to treat you as hourly for anything less than 80 because we don't want to pay you your salary. And then it's like, okay, well, which one am I? Am I salary or am I hourly? And it really depends. It's a big fat depends. And I see people saying, oh, no, you have to get your overtime. You, you, you need to leave there or you sue them or get your lawyer and all this. And I'm like, well, maybe. It really depends on more facts that we don't have in this particular hypothetical. It really, really does. So here's the problem. The Fair Labor Standards Act that's been published out there, that's now out there, now the new one, 2016. I, I went back and looked it up, and I haven't looked at Fair Labor Standards Act in probably a decade because it doesn't usually change that much. The general principles of employment law haven't changed that much. The numbers that maybe set you in or out of a, of a category of status has, however, changed slightly. But it's still not enough in, in the NP world to really make a difference. So here's what they do now for the Fair Labor Standards Act. Now, the state may be a little bit more strict than this, so keep that in mind. You want to check both, federal and state. Now, they're going to be at least as strict as the federal. But I'm talking to everybody in the country, so I'm using the Fair Labor Standards Act. You guys need to check what your state says. The way it works now, and if you haven't listened to my previous show on exempt versus non-exempt, go back and listen to that. It's a good primer. And that was what that was intended for, was just general overview. There's always more nuances. There's thousands of pages in their, in their rules that, that 
I'm not talking about. So it's way more in-depth than that. But I'm giving you the general big picture, 30,000-foot view on a lot of stuff so that you can kind of get an educated, oh, okay, well, this is the framework of what I need to fill in the gaps with. But with this specific instance, I'm going to get a little, I'm going to geek out a little deeper on the law because I think it is important. Exempt status means you don't fall within the rules. They don't apply to you. What do the rules say? The rules say you get time and a half overtime for anything more than 40 hours in a one work week. In one work week. So right there, the 80 hour thing that they're doing doesn't follow Fair Labor Standards Act. So it's not 80 hours in two weeks, it's 40 hours in one week. So that's how it works. If you work 40 hours in one week, and you, and you work 44 hours in the second week, you get an extra four hours in the second week. If you work 44 hours in week one, you get four hours of time and a half, and if you work 36 hours in the second week, and you're in a true, non-exempt, you know, typical employee, lower income, non-professional, working at Starbucks type of, type of job, you don't get overtime the second week, but you get your 36 hours. You get the overtime in week one. You can't flex the four hours to the second week. It's per 40 hours. That's my point. So that's problem number one that, that I'm seeing in there. Now, does it matter to you? No, because you're an exempt employee. And I, and I categorically said all MPs are professionals and exempt employees in that previous episode. And I truly mean that because you really are. Here's the threshold that they use. They got different categories. There was like four of them, and it's the same categories I remember learning back in 2002 or whatever it was when I took this class in law school. This, the categories generally are you're an executive, you're um, a professional, or you're something else. I, I can't remember what it is, but it's not, not us, so it doesn't matter. You fall in the professional exemption ca exempt category. You're a professional exemption. Now, they've come back in 2013, and then they revamped it in 2016, and they've changed the rules slightly, but it doesn't matter for us because we make over the threshold. They set numbers, dollar numbers, per um, week that will put you below a certain level to say, well, even though you technically meet the professional standard to be an exempt employee, if you make less than a certain dollar amount per week, then you're then you're an you're a non-exempt employee. You're now can be getting over over time and a half, right? So you get your your overtime pay of time and a half in a forty-hour work period. What's that number? Well, it used to be like I don't know, six hundred bucks, three hundred bucks. It was a low number, right? A week. So unless you are working part-time hourly, you know, you work two days a week as a part-time NP, or you're doing PRN, or something like that. And there's other exemptions. There's a whole other set of rules for that. So I'm just trying to use a hypothetical. Unless you're doing that, then then I don't think that's getting you there, right? So you might be able to get overtime, time and a half, in, in parentheses, if you work, you know, two eight-hour days. Because you might make less than the threshold. $600 was what it was at one point. Now it's up to, I think, $900. But if you work a 40-hour work week, and that's what we're talking about in this hypothetical, was this is a full-time employee, a full-time person, does that make you exempt? Yeah, it does. Because I guarantee you're making over the $900 a week. You just are. I mean, $900 a week, that's that's uh, $1,800. Let's call it 2000 bucks in a pay period in two weeks and there's 26 of those so 26 times 2 is what $52,000 so you're, you're probably making almost double that if not more depending on where you are 
I mean, some people are making 80s and 90s, but that's still over the well over the threshold. So you're 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 an exempt employee. You just are. It's just the nature of the beast. And and to be honest with you, a physician would be an exempt employee. So why why would you know we beg to be like physicians? We want autonomy. We want we want to be able to do more more you know uh, uh, work in less restrictions. But yet we don't want the professional. Rule, roll. We want it on both sides. We're, we're kind of talking out of both sides of our mouth. We want overtime and a half, like a nurse. Treat me like a nurse for pay, but I really want the, the respect of a physician. And it sounds disingenuous to me. It really does. Now, does that mean that this person is just a piece of crap because they're trying to do it both ways? Yeah, it does. There really are. Now, there are limits, lower limits of pay for an exempt employee. And they've changed a little bit from what I saw. They used to be, at least in Ohio... It was if you worked less than, and I talk about this already, so I'm repeating it, I know. But if you worked less than four hours in a day, you didn't get paid for the day. If you worked more than four hours for that day, you got paid for the full eight hours of that day, period. That was the, the, the rule that Ohio had. But that was a decade and a half ago. Now, what, what was the Fair Labor Standards Act say? In general, what I saw, and this is straight from the Department of Labor's website, so this is a reliable source. This is right from the horse's mouth. It specifically stated that if you worked um, three days of the week, you got your pay for the full week. They didn't do it by day in the Fair Labor Standards Act. They do it by week. Now, Ohio's old rule would be more restrictive. We talked about preemption, so that would be okay. You could do that. It's more restrictive. It's more. It's it's uh. It, it's on the right side of that target that I talk about in that preemption. So it would be okay. But the Fair Labor Standards Act says if you you know if you take off one day you get paid for the week and it's a personal time and it's it's you know marked as a personal day or something like that. Sorry, I'm in an intersection, and so that's that's where the the threshold is that they set for the fair labor for the federal level. Now the issue that I see is that this person just didn't get paid for some stuff that they should be getting paid for. Now that's a different issue. That's a big deal, right? If there, if a, if someone is not paying you for hours that you've worked, now you still have to be careful. If you took off three days out of a week, then you don't get paid for that week, even if you showed up the last two days. So what's your incentive for showing up for the last two days? None, right? I mean, you're not going to get paid for it. However. That doesn't mean that you're not an at-will employee. You're just an exempt at-will employee. They can fire you at any time for any reason. That's a good reason to fire you. You don't show up for work for two days. Bye. So you can still lose your job. That doesn't mean that you're safe. There's no protection there. That's a different issue. Now, do I think that this is a good deal that this person is this this person's getting this this disingenuous you know back and forth, and we're gonna you know go one direction then the other direction? I don't think it is. I think this, this is kind of a turd of a human being as a, as a boss or business owner that's just really taking advantage of a situation for somebody that maybe doesn't want to you know, stick up for themselves. Now, do I think you should call the hounds on this person right off the bat? I wouldn't. <laughs> I just wouldn't. Not yet. Not yet. You, you know, you're not going to get that money either way, especially if you go, you know, go in guns a-blazins into a meeting saying, I want my money, I want my money. And you, you know, it's a, and it's in an aggressive way. I would say I would like a detailed list of why I'm not getting paid what I thought I was getting paid. Please explain it to me. And if they choose not 
to and you feel that you you are in the right, you better make sure you're in the right because if you call the hounds on them and you're wrong, it could be a defamation suit against you. So you got to be careful. Can't just go guns a blazing into a meeting saying, "No, oh, I'm going to do this." Or telling people on Facebook that this person's you know not doing what they're supposed to be doing. That's defamation. If somebody figures out where you work, that's defamation. Be careful. Be very very careful. Tread lightly. Now, I, but I would ask the question, why, why am I not getting paid this? And, and I don't understand the, the, the relationship here. Here's the regulations in our state. Here's the way we're supposed to be doing it. Are you aware that this is in violation of the rules? And, and you're probably, this person isn't. Maybe it isn't disingenuous. Maybe they just don't understand the rules and they, they interpret it one way and you interpret it a different way. And now we have a lack of communication. That's the whole point behind having a contract is to keep people honest and keep people to remember what the deal was. Most people that agree to the contract in the first place, if you remind them of the, the terms and say, oh, yeah, remember we talked about that? And you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. All right, we're good. It's usually the, usually the philosophy. Maybe it burns, it hurts a little bit. It might burn, might sting, but they'll remember it. Usually most people are pretty decent people and say, yeah, shoot, I just forgot. It wasn't intentional. I'm sorry. I just I misinterpreted or I forgot that's how it was. Because maybe they have multiple deals out there and they can't remember which one was yours. So anyways, um, the other thing on that with the with the um, the hours, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, I got dinged, I got dinged by the, the state because I didn't have, um, you know, I didn't pay overtime, time and a half for all that, and I said these people were salaried, and we said this. Salary in and of itself can, it, it's one piece of the puzzle, and <clears throat> I talk about this too, previous shows. Salary is just the way that you, you quantify what you're doing, how you're paying. Salary is an even number of payments that's just kind of paid throughout the year. So like if I say you're going to make you know 100 grand a year or whatever it is, doesn't matter what the number is, and I'm going to divide it by 26 and that's your salary done. That's it. That's, that's how you compute it. Now that's one piece of evidence that shows that you're a salaried quote unquote. And I don't like using that word because salary doesn't mean exempt all the time. But salaried is one piece of the puzzle to help describe if you are an exempt employee. So, and, and here's where the sticky points get, and it depends. Because if you regularly work 40 hours a week, and you're pretty darn close to it, and your pay is essentially consistent throughout the year, that's your proof that you're salaried. So go back and look at your pay stubs, even if you're hourly. If you work 38 hours every week, 38 hours every week, 38 hours, you're not 40. That's not salary, 40-hour a week, you know, full-time exempt, you know, evidence. But if you get the same number on your paycheck, literally, look at the paycheck. If it's essentially the same number every week, every pay period, that's evidence that you are an exempt employee. That's evidence that you are quote-unquote salaried, even though you may be paid hourly. And the deal, the verbal deal you got would say, you're an hourly employee, you're going to make X number of dollars, dollars per hour. Now, if you work a different schedule every other week and every week it changes and your pay period is, is different every week, then you get your different numbers and all that stuff, your, your numbers get jacked up a little bit. And here's the problem I see where I work, and this is, this is great because it works in my benefit if I ever wanted to do this, but I don't. I don't want to do this. I get paid bi-monthly. I get paid twice a month. So sometimes there's two weeks, sometimes there's three weeks in my pay period. So my paycheck is different even if I work the same number of hours every week. It's always fluctuating. It's always different. 
Sometimes I got, you know, seven hours, seven days on there. Other days I got 18 days on my paycheck. It just depends on the pay period. And the problem for my employer is that if they wanted to claim that I was a quote-unquote salaried employee, I could take my pay stubs and then say, no, look, I was paid on an hourly basis. And that's evidence, just one piece of evidence to prove that I was technically an hourly employee and that maybe I should get my time and a half. Now, does it really matter? No, because I'm over the threshold for the white-collar professional exemption anyways. So it doesn't really matter. But as far as the salaried versus non-salaried hourly, that, that argument, it's not a great argument for us because we're still in the exempt status. You're still exempt. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you're really paid. So that, that's, that's part of the problem. Now, your state may be different. They may say, well, we, we hold more value in the idea of the hourly versus salary. And they might ding you on that if you're an employer. Sure, maybe. And it might be the person that's doing the action against you, the regulator that's coming after you, that's making an example of you, is using the rules and interpreting them slightly <laughs> off from what they are. And, and, and people do this all the time. I used to see building inspectors when I was doing engineering days. And they would misinterpret the code, blatantly misinterpret the code. And you would explain it to them and say, no, that's not right. Well, no, no, this is the way I'm doing it. Well, what do you do? Do you fight it with a legal battle or do you just comply and get the project going? You just put the stupid handrails, you know, 10 feet in the air because a stupid guy doesn't know what he's doing. You just do it because you need the progress to go forward. So that's a lot of times why people do these actions. And, they, and, and the regulators know this a lot of times. They say, well, this is my interpretation of it. I'm going to stick with it. And then they entrench because they don't want to be wrong. They're the experts in, you know, in, in policing this. So sometimes you get that too. So if you've been dinged before, and I'm assuming you had a good attorney, it might have been, well, let's just do this because it's more expensive to fight it than it is just to do it. It's like paying a speeding ticket. Sometimes it's not worth it. Maybe you'll fight it on principle, but you know, you're going to waste a lot of money. So that was a great, great hypothetical. Really was. And I saw this string and I'm like, guys, please go listen to my show. Please, I'm begging you, go listen to this episode from previous, the one uh, that I did on the different statuses and the exempt versus non-exempt. And that way you can, you can at least get a framework and say, oh, okay, I kind of get why she's saying one, you know, but she is talking out of both sides of her mouth, but it's probably because she just doesn't know. It's, and, and if you like working there, I wouldn't throw it away because of that. I think that you could you could really work with them to make it right. It's just, how do you want to do it? Do you want to go in guns a blaze and saying you got to pay me and you demand? Or do you say, you know what, we both misinterpreted this. Maybe we split it down the middle. Or maybe you give me 75%. I'll give you a deal. Give me 75%. We'll settle that up. And then we're going to go this way from now on. And if you can't reconcile that, then maybe it is time to look for another job. But I wouldn't go in, you know, like ultimatum until you got something else lined up. You never do that. You always have another one in the back burner before you leave the first one. You should. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want your safety net to be gone. That's not being disingenuous. That's being a business person. So, anyways, that was a great one. Great hypothetical. A lot of good information in that one. A lot of great, great advice on that one. Um, Keep those ones coming, guys. Send those ones to me. If you guys got, got specific questions like that, email me, jeff at thenpdude.com. You can always catch me on Facebook and uh, give me a PM personally or through the NP Dude page as well. You can uh, also tag me, guys. People are tagging me. I think what it's doing, though, is it's actually just making the hyperlink to my page. And sometimes I get updated that I've been tagged. Other times I don't. It's really, it's really weird. It's really bizarre on who it lets tag. I wonder if it's just a Facebook glitch. But I can't figure it out. There's no, no good answers. 
on that one. All right, topic two. I got a comment that came in that um, in this, I, I want to qualify. I really appreciate this comment. I told this person, I said, you know what? I really appreciate this. It's good feedback, and, and it was great insight of um, what people are interpreting this show. And so every now and then I'm going to go and I'm going to do a little quick description of what I'm doing and why I'm doing this. Because I got somebody that said, you know what, Jeff, I, I, I really tried to listen to your show and I just can't do it. And I'm like, okay, I'm, that's cool. I mean, it's, sometimes people don't, call, don't, don't hook up and it doesn't work, right? And I, and I realize that. I'm good with that. The, the, the issue that I'm going to take here, and it's, not a, and it's not a criticism of this person at all, because I do appreciate it. They tried. They really tried listening to me. Is that they, I think they misinterpreted what the scope of what I'm doing on this podcast and so I'm going to update people every now and then what the scope of this podcast is because I think sometimes people think it's one thing and it's really not and then they start listening and they're like, oh, this is crap. This isn't all what I wanted and I'm not going to waste my time. And I don't want you to waste your time either. So if this isn't what you want to listen to, don't listen to it. Switch. Turn off. Go find something different. The problem is there's nothing else different that's decent. I did find a couple other podcasts out there, but they're all old. The latest one was like October, I think, last year. I think it was October. And, and I tried listening to them, and, and it was, I mean, it's, it's more boring than listening to myself talk. I just, I, there, there wasn't much out there. And there was one guy, I think he's one of my listeners, one of my go-to guys, he did like one episode, like a while ago. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I listened to that one. It was decent. So guys, I encourage you, dude, keep going. <laughs> Make more podcasts. Go. Don't stop. Keep doing it. Um, but here's the scope. Here's what we're doing in this, in this podcast. I'm giving you enough information that you should be... Having that framework I mentioned and going to the internet, going to professionals, going to other sources, CMEs, CEUs, going to um, uh, your local associations, state associations, federal associations, and, and saying, I need to fill in the gaps on this thing, but I have a good framework of understanding on something. And, and um, I think that's the best way to do this, because if I was to sit down and outline a whole show of topic and try to and try to force it into an educational environment i will kill people while they're driving <laughs> down the road they're going to be bored out of their friggin minds right so it's already being done you can go to aanp and get any topic almost any topic that you want and listen to it. You don't have to watch the video. It's expensive to stream on Wi-Fi, though. That's the problem, or on uh, on your on your data plan, right? But but you can do it. Once you're on Wi-Fi, you can do it there. So you know if, you're, if that's an option for you too. But I'm not going to go deep into like you know how to treat X, Y, or Z because it just isn't really practical to do in this format. I'm not looking stuff up when I'm driving. I can't do it. Occasionally I will, but it's not smart. I mean, I got a big giant turn right here. I'm going 70 miles an hour, and it's a back road. I got to be safe. I can't kill me. I can't kill anybody else. Ooh, that guy's crossing some center line at me. See? See what I'm saying? I got to be ready for this stuff. So, um, the scope is to give you a framework for you guys to go fill in the gaps. I really, really think that that we can do this this way, and I think it's a it's a good scope of 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 a podcast. It's me talking, having fun too. So hopefully, it's some entertainment value. I hope. I don't know. Maybe it is. Some people say it is. Most of the people like the ratings. Ratings are doing okay. I haven't gotten a bad one, but I have gotten these comments every now and then. I just, this is number two, number two comment that I've gotten. It was like, I can't do it. I just can't listen to you. I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that part of it. But one one particular issue was this. It was um, about the bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, and they're like, there's no meat there in that show. 
And, I, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. There is no meat because it was from a, C, a CEU that this person went to. I don't know anything about how to treat with, with bioidentical hormones. That wasn't the question. The question posed to me was, is it legal in Ohio? What pitfalls do I have? So I'm answering those questions. I'm not doing, you know, how to, you know, what anticoagulant would be best for this this treatment here. You look that crap up, or you go if you work in, you know, cardiac or hematology or, you know, vascular or, you know, those are those types of things. We don't do a lot of in primary care, so I'm not going to go out of the way to just reread someone else's material to you on a podcast. That's a waste of your time. You guys can just go read it for yourself. Now that being said. I did have a student ask me, and I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to tell you, and this is going to be an example of how it's hard to do and why it doesn't work well. So I'm going to try it, but I'm going to try it on something simple. This person asks, the student asked, they asked a question previously, and I kind of split their questions into two different things. What antibiotics and when? What's your go-tos? How do you do that? What's the, how do you know? Because it's so overwhelming when you're in school, right? There's so many different ones, and there's so many different categories, and so many different things. And I could start with my lecture on different antibiotics and the classifications and things like that. That's one way to do it, right? That's pretty boring. We have the aminoglycosides, right? We have the penicillins or the beta-lactamase, blah, 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 blah. Right? So, I mean, it's pretty boring. So here's my way of doing it. I do it by practicality. When I walk into a room and somebody says, I've got this ailment and it's a bacterial infection and it's this location, these are my go-tos. Okay? So, number one, if it's above the neck, I go with either amoxicillin or augmentin. Number one. If it's an older person, I typically skip the amoxicillin, I go right to the augmentin, and I warn them it's going to give them diarrhea. If they have a penicillin allergy, I skip that one, and everybody's going to cringe. They are. They're just going to. But I go to Leviquin. Now, it depends on their age. It really depends on their age. If they're 90, I'm not doing Leviquin. I'll give them azithromycin. Azithromycin's a macrolide. It's narrow spectrum. It doesn't work very well. It works on the atypicals, right? Um, like pneumonia. So upper respiratory, maybe I would do it. If they're smoker, maybe I would do the azithromycin. I hate Z-Packs. I just do. They don't work. They don't work well. It's not broad spectrum. Um, unless I know or really suspect that it's pneumonia or influenza, you know, any of those ones that I, I would I would use it, but I just try to stay away from it because it does, there's so many so many times I give it, it come people come back and say eh, it didn't work, so it's just not worth it. I'd rather just make them happy, make them healthy, and get rid of this bacteria and kill it. So I, I do Leviquin. I do now. I do talk about the tendonitis and the tendon rupture. I tell everybody about it and I warn them. And I get pharmacies calling all the freaking time saying, "I don't want you to use Leviquin." And I say, "Shut up. Do the Leviquin. They're allergic to you know amoxicillin or penicillins." And I and I'm not using a Z pack because it doesn't freaking work for a sinusitis. Very often, sometimes it will. Usually, it's people are just clearing the infection on their own and they just think it's the Z pack or it was viral in the first place. So if it's above the neck, I do augment amoxicillin, and then secondary, I go Leviquin. It's just what I do. It's just what I do. It's just what I do. Now, if it's between, um, if it's above the waist, I will typically do either the same ones, but but I might add in doxycycline if you got to qualify, right? This is why it's a big if. It's hard to do this. You can't do this on the on a podcast like this. It's just too hard. I do doxy, and I'm going to keep going with it anyways. I do doxy if they are. Um, not in childbearing years, 
they're on birth control or a dude because it's a category D. So I don't do it. I, I try to avoid doxy. I've done it, you know, a handful of times. I hate doxy. I just don't like it. But I'll do it for above the waist. And it's weird stuff that you're treating with doxy. It's like, you know, the, you know, Yersinia pest, pestis, Yersinia, whatever it is, right? I mean, you're, you're, teaching, you're treating the plague with that one. It's just weird. Now, do I freak out if somebody comes in and says, Leviquin versus Cipro? No, I don't. For upper versus lower. Some people are like caught, caught up on this thing about Cipro is below the waist and Leviquin's above the waist. Well, that was kind of like 10 years ago thinking. God damn, I'm stuck behind a tractor. Going t- I'm going 10. I'm going 10 miles an hour. This is, this is why I end up missing, missing the first 10 minutes of my day. So you can't count on a tractor being in front of you on the country. Anyways, so um, Doxy's kind of a fallback, but I, I try to reserve that for s- certain circumstances because of its population. So you just get to know these things as you go, right? So what else do I have? UTIs. UTI, I'm going back from first, unless they have a sulfa, right? And then I go to Cipro. I could do macrobid. It depends. Are they pregnant? If they're sensitive? If they're old? If you know if they if they've got already weak joints and tendon issues, then I'm not going to use a fluoroquinolone. I know, I know, I know. Everybody hates them. I see people all the time saying, "Don't ever do it. You're going to die." I can't tell if I'm going to get. I might die here. I'm passing them. I might die. Oh boy. Oh, she's like semi coming the other way. Holy crap! All right, that was a little scary. All right, see, this is why you can't look crap up when you're driving. All right. All right, so back to UTIs, right? So Bactrim's my go-to. I go Bactrim, 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 three days done, right? Knock it out, done. Most people are okay with it. Now, there is a 20% resistance to Bactrim. I understand. I know. Um, so you could do macro, macro bid. Um, you could do, you know, the Cipro or whatever. So it really depends on the circumstances. Depends on the person. Depends on how trustworthy they are. Are you? Do you trust that this person is not going to go throw kettlebells around while they're doing CrossFit for, you know, a couple weeks while they're re- relaxing, while they're taking this medicine and getting better? You know, if they're, if they're an athlete and they're running, I'm not doing a fluoroquinolone. I'm just not going to do it. It's not worth the risk. It's not you know they're going to blow a tendon or they're going to at least get tendonitis. There's a high risk high risk there. Now if this is a relatively sedentary, you know, 40 year old person that works at an office job that hasn't you know hit the treadmill in 20 years, I'm okay. I'm just going to explain it to him. Drink lots of water. Rest. Rest your joints. If you have any pain, you stop. And you give me a call. We'll switch it to something else. Now, here's the other things, right? This, okay, let's do one more. Then the skin, right? So that's, these are my go-tos. And then I figure it out. If there's no reason, if there's a compelling reason not to use these ones, I gotta look them up. Because I wanna make sure, is this gonna really cover what I'm, what my circumstances? What am I concerned about? Skin. Skin infections. What are we worried about? Staph and strep are the two most common, right? There's others as well. I know, pseudomonas and funky things like that. If I see a green oozy something, I'm looking it up to make sure if i suspect green oozy and pseudomonas and they've been in a lake water or you know they're in their history dictates i'm going to probably just look it up and use something different anyways i'm not going to go to my go-tos but for every, most people that come in and they got a little bit of folliculitis and they got a pustule it's most likely staph it's a pussy zit staph if it's yellow and crusty and gross and it looks like uh epitigo it's going to be staph anyway staph aureus right yellow and gold, aureus, AU, gold, aureus, that's why it's called aureus, it's yellow, if you guys knew that or not, I'm, I'm imagining if I knew it, you guys knew it, 
What do I use for staff? I always use Bactrim just because I'm not, you know, there's like 30% of the people are colonizers of, of MRSA and we're all gross people and we all have things and opportunities to get that. So let's just knock it out and kill it. The last thing I want to do is make a stronger MRSA. So let's just kill it. Kill it. Done. 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 So I'll do Bactrim for that. Now, if I think it's a red and inflamed and it looks like a cellulitis, it's Keflex. So ceph- cephalosporins. Now, in little ones, it's totally different with this stuff. And it's here's my go-tos for little ones. And it doesn't matter what infection we're talking about, but these are generally where I'm going with this in little ones. I start with amoxicillin, and so should you. <laughs> That's pretty much it. The second line, I do ceftonir. Always and forever. Seven milligrams per kilogram, right? It's the dose. Ceftonir, number two. Number three, augmentin. Because augmentin causes more diarrhea, especially in the little ones. So you don't want to, if they're feeling sick and they're, you know, maybe dehydrated from bacterial infection, you don't want to make them more dehydrated. So you try to stay away from that one, third line. The problem is, is that ceftonir is a, what, third generation cephalosporin? Well, they took, a, they took the penicillins and they revamped them and made them into uh, cephalosporins. They tried to get rid of all the reactions, but they, the first generations, like Keflex and, like, you know, those ones, they, their first generations, there's about a 10% cross-reactivity. So if somebody has a penicillin allergy that's a mild allergy, will I use Keflex? Yeah, I might. It just depends on what their allergy was. If they say, oh, I had a little bit itching, yeah, well, you know, here's some Benadryl. I'm going to give you Keflex. It may, may have been the penicillin that caused the allergy. Maybe it wasn't. So in your 10% chance of getting a cross-reaction with it, Here's you know here's some Benadryl too, just in case you give me a call. You stop the medicine if you get a reaction, and you give me a call, and and I have done that. If I really think it's cellulitis, and it really looks like that, so that's what I would do. Could I use a ceftonir for it? Sure, but it's just it's it's just another cephalosporin. It's third generation. There's less cross reactivity. It's like less than one percent. So they've gotten it better and better is the point there. Now, I have had the pharmacy call and say, oh, yeah, they've got a reaction with penicillins. And I'm like, yes, I already talked to them. Their reaction was very mild. It wasn't a big deal. I gave them some Benadryl. Look on the rest of the scripts. There's a Benadryl. <laughs> okay, got it. All right, just do it. They've got instructions. Let's just do it. And it was fun. It actually worked, and everybody was excited, and it was, yay, you did okay. Now, would somebody else take that risk? Maybe not. And that's why it's personal. That's why this is difficult to do these these practice, get in depth, get the meat discussions. And I'm going long on this one because it's hard. It takes more time. I've gotten comments saying, Jeff, I want you to keep your shows around 20 to 30 minutes because any longer than that, I'm not going to listen. I don't have the time. So I, and I've gotten a lot more of those than the, the, you're not getting into the meat, you know, responses. So if you guys want more substance and more meat, send me specific questions. The problem is, is that I'm going to usually divert you to a resource that says, here's a good topic, go find it on Medscape, or here's a good topic, um, go find it from this association that's the governing body for that, that scope of practice. Like, I have insomnia people. I don't know how to treat that. All right, well, go to the American Sleep Association. they got a two-page PDF. I give it out to people all the time. It's fantastic. gives good tips. Most people are doing it wrong. They could stop their insomnia with just changing their habits. Not needing medicines. Nope, you're not going to get Xanax. Here's a handout. You're not getting an Ambien. You're going to get a handout. And you're going to change these things. Now, if you change these things and you come back and you can't sleep, we're going to do something else. But we're not going to do... And we're not going to go straight to medicines. You're going to evaluate your life first. And that's what I want to do. That's good care, in my opinion, right? 
So it's the same thing with all these other topics. So I don't know if you wanted me to go through and do bioidentical hormone therapy replacement and I go take the CEU and come and read it to you, I don't know how much benefit that is to you guys. Number one, I probably would be in violation of some copyrights. <laughs> number one. And number two, you guys would all veer off into the bridge abutment and die <laughs> while you're driving down the road. I don't want that. I really don't want that. I want you guys to be safe. I'm thinking of you guys. My show sucks because I'm thinking of you guys, right? That's, guess what? That's my excuse. So anyways, if you guys have more comments or questions, that was a great one, though, because it does give me the perspective of some people that are like, I don't get what you're doing. <laughs> and so I'll try to explain it every now and then and say, you know what? This guy's just trying... I'm, I'm just trying to give you a framework on certain things that I know about and uh, have some fun along the way. So that's all I'm going to do today, guys. I'm 36 minutes really long. I'm sorry about that. So if you guys have, you know, like corrections for my antibiotic use or judgments, please send them to me. Maybe I'm doing it wrong, but that's what I'm doing. Um, and I've looked them all up multiple times and, you know, make sure they're indicated for certain things. But um, it's kind of my approach to things. They're real general guidelines. I, I don't get freaked out about antibiotics because usually if they're a relatively healthy individual, they're going to clear it on their own anyways, eventually. Now, strep, that one scares me. Oh, here's a good one, right? I had somebody the other day came in, and they had a um, beta-helmic strep in a weird place. I'm not going to say where, because I'm not going to blow a hip up, but it was in a weird place. It was like, I wouldn't have expected that one. All right, so what do you do with that? You know, and it suggests penicillins or ampicillin. Well, you know, like... Pen-G is what, IV, and Pen-VK, there's, you know, most of these things are all IV, but they've got some that are, you know, pill form, and there's not a lot of great dosing for, like, this specific infection of this location. There's no good guidance out there. You know, this this bug in this place, it, it, you, there's no guidance. So you kind of take the, you know, the, the theme of the approach of what you're seeing, and you go. So I did, I did a little bit of a loading dose of ampicillin, and then ran a 10-day course, and we're going to recheck it just to make sure. We're going to reculture and see if this thing's gone, and I think it will be. But, but man, what what is scary is, like, pfft, it just depends, man. You don't know what you're going to get into. That's what makes this fun, and you're helping people along the way. It's great. It's a great, great profession. So, anyways, guys, keep sharing the show. Spread the word. If you don't like what you hear, tell me. I really am receptive to feedback, and I really ho hope this person does listen again, to, especially to this show, because I really want them to understand the scope of what I'm doing. So if they understand that, they might be like, oh, okay, I get it. It's not such a bad show. It's just not what I want to hear. Okay. That's okay, too. Maybe it is that bad. I don't know. Tell me. I want to hear from you guys. Email me, Jeff at the NPDude.com. Facebook PM me. You can also comment on the show below. Listen on iTunes. You can rate me on iTunes as well as on the Facebook page. And uh, keep the things coming. It's Friday. It's beautiful out. Enjoy your wonderful weekend. Uh, do something fun with family. Or spend some time in your community. Do something for your community. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about you. Don't worry about other things. Just, just go do something fun in your community. Spend some time with, with loved ones. Have a great time. We'll talk soon.